0: And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church.
1: Praise the Lord, everyone. Hallelujah. Let's take a moment. I know. Be honest, we I don't have the nerve to do this and not praise. So let's uh, let's pray and ask God to touch us, touch the Sunday school, every other ministry that I go forth today, and to anoint our minds that we can gather our thoughts and our minds that He may touch us and let us receive what He had what he would have for us today so let's pray God of heaven we love you holy God Father we thank you right now Lord that we're able to gather one more time in your holy house so we ask you in Jesus name that you would touch us strengthen us Lord God Father we ask you God to anoint us God gather our thoughts Lord God that they may be upon you and not on tomorrow. God, I'm asking you to touch God. Touch those in the Sunday school, Lord Jesus. Anoint us, Lord God. For we have gathered with a purpose, Lord God. To learn of you, to praise you, and to thank you, Lord God. Have your way this day. Touch us, Lord God. And let your holy anointing be upon us, Lord God. That we may learn of you. So we ask you to grant it and do it this day. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. While you're standing, let's go ahead and read our, um, our verse. And it is in Romans 5, 12 through 14. So you can just follow along if you want to or turn in your Bible. Romans 5, 12 through 14. Paul in his writings says, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin, so death passed upon all men, for all have sinned. For unto the law sin was in the world, but it was not imputed when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression, who is the figure of him that was to come. You may be seated. What was started last week... It's a session called The Big Story, and being the month of December, it is speaking basically of what God has done for us, what we learn of Him, what we know of Him, and how good the Lord is to us, and amazing as it is, as our scripture just read to us, wherefore as by one man. Sin entered into the world. That is truly amazing to me. As by one man. Sin entered into the world. That's sometimes hard to fathom. That you can take one man. And contaminate the whole human race. That's, that's truly hard to comprehend. But we know the story does not end there. As one man sin entered, sin entered into the world. So God took Himself and made a way for man to have redemption. So one man brought salvation to the whole human race. So that's what it's talking about. It's talking about the big story. That's what we know. Our lesson today is the choice that brought bondage. And basically that's what we know. Anybody that looks as a Christian to be bound and for sin to bring freedom does not understand this concept. And I don't say that in a, in a hateful sense. Because soon as Adam sinned, he realized, if I could just go back in time and change this. Because what was it like for all of a sudden to see an animal that you had never seen its blood? And all of a sudden, of that bloody animal, its hide was covering your shame He was in a perfect environment and then all of a sudden his shame caused the death of an animal that he had never seen. He was in a sinless environment. And so he has got it made. And sometimes we see in the choices we make and we think, you know what? If I could just go back 10 minutes in time, what a change it would be. But we have to live with the consequences that we make. And sometimes it is hard. Just a moment of time takes years to get over. And we see that reality in life. And so for someone to say that I went to bed, I went to sleep, and I had to wake up when I didn't regret nothing I've done, to look at that as bondage, to on the flip side of that, I went to sleep, and who knows what i done. Don't tell me that, that, that is freedom. That is bondage. I'm just bound so much, I don't know. I, you know, I, I can't do that. So God took, and literally, this message that God told Moses, you go to Pharaoh, you look him in the eye, and you tell him this, and this message has not changed. Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, let my people go. And it has not changed and it will not change until the Lord comes and collects his people. That is the thing. Sin is bondage, is this flesh we live in, this bondage. God said, You let my people go. That is the message. You let them go. So we know that. We know that in the setting of God said, My people is to be let go. So God told him, He says, You institute a Passover. And this was to be such a drastic change that God told Moses, this, when you institute this, this will be a beginning of months. God was saying, this is my words. I don't care what the calendar says. When you smear the blood on the doorpost in the lintel, you mark that as the first month. Because when you call yourself covered by the blood, this will be the beginning of your life. When you pass through that door, when Moses says it's time to go, you consider your life starting from there. No matter what you've had, no matter what you've encountered, forget the iron furnace that you come out of. Forget the past is a past. When you are covered by the blood, you consider this the beginning of months. And that's what he told him. You do this. You are covered by the blood. So they did that. They went out and then... What God said you do from there, 50 days after that, we know that now is Pentecost. But 50 days after that is when God handed Moses the law. He gave him the law on Mount Sinai, so he done that 50 days after that. Then we see God born in human flesh. That is when all this starts to change. We see the big story coming into effect. But now they had the law up to then, and then part of that why I said that, as we see what is happening. For, uh, for unto the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. Up to then, they had God's voice that spoke to Adam. You know, and, and what I'm fixing to share is, is me. It's my commentary. And like I always say at this point, you don't have to jump on this if you don't want to. But we look at it as Adam sinned. I say Adam did not sin. What happened is God said, I've given you, and I'm using this just as a figure of speech. I've given you a hundred trees. There's one tree, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Do not eat of that tree. There was no sin in the garden. It was a sinless garden that they was in. So Adam, in my eyes, did not sin. What he did, he broke the law of God. Then result of breaking the law of God, he sinned. In sinning, it brought forth death. So what he did was he broke God's oral law. And in doing that, that brought sin. But sin wasn't there. They knew no sin. So that why the Bible says that unto then, it, 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 where it says, but sin is not imputed where there is no law. But we can't say God just forgive them from Adam to Moses but they had the law of conscience. other words, from Adam to Moses, what happened? The people died. When God made man and then all the way up to Moses, death reigned from Adam to Moses. So sin was in the world as we know it, so they died. So then when God came, what I want to read, but what I'm getting at is when Moses, when God gave the law of Moses, then they had the law. Then the law pointed out what sin was, the transgressions of man. So you can follow on the screen if you want to me. And what I, the point I want to make here is a lot of people just say God came. He did away with the law. We're under grace. Just go to it, baby. Do what you want. But let's go with the Bible. Matthew 5, 17 Okay, the Bible says, Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am, come, I am not come to destroy but to fulfill. Now, a lot of times, a lot of times when this is quoted, this is how it's read. I am not come to destroy the law. I am, come, I am not come to destroy but to fulfill. The prophets is left out. But God said, I am not come to destroy the law or the prophets. Speaking of Old Testaments, what I anointed my men to say that I wanted them to say, I have not come to destroy, take away, but I have come to fulfill what they have said. I have not come to destroy it, but to see that it is fulfilled. 18. For verily I say unto you, now I want you to listen, till heaven and earth pass, one jolt or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law, till all be fulfilled. And as he says, you may be seated. If we was Hebrew, we would get this. Now listen to me. What it says, till heaven and earth pass. This is why God put this one jolt or one tittle. Now, God was speaking in a way that they could understand it. A jot, I'm saying jolt, but it's jot. A jot is the smallest Hebrew letter there is. He is saying. One jot or one tittle. Tittle means a little horn. In other words, if you've ever viewed uh, Hebrew, uh, the alphabet or the language, here you have the, smallish, the smallest letter that you can have. Or a, a little horn is, if you looked at the alphabet, all them little marks and stuff. It's like you have a letter and it can be this way or it can be that way. God said, not nothing is going to be taken away. Because if you do, it changes the meaning. So God said, I'm telling you, nothing is going to be changed. Nothing is going to be taken away till all of this is fulfilled. I'm not changing nothing. Heaven and earth can go, but this is not going to be done. God said, not one jolt, the smallest letter, or not one tittle. Not one phrase, not one mark is going to be changed. Everything is going to be fulfilled. God said, I've come to fulfill that. Not to do away with it, but to fulfill it. In our day, our church, not our church, but the, the modern day church says, run with it. God came and gave grace. I'm not saying he didn't, but not in the way it's being taught. God said, I came to fulfill the law. Not to do away with it. Why would I anoint my holy of prophets for thousands of years and then say, There's no need for them? You don't need that anymore. God said, I've come to fulfill that. And not one jolt or not one tittle is going to be done away with till all is fulfilled. He said, That's what I've come to do. And it's not gonna be ducking, it's not gonna be taken away. So he's done this. So he said this, he's told us this, that's the purpose of this. Now we know from, from the Bible, God was crucified on Passover and then we know he told his disciples, he says you take them, you take the disciples and don't you leave the upper room. So 50 days, it's literally, the, uh, 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 it's, it's referred to a feast of week, seven sevens plus one. So 50 days, God fulfilled a promise. Why? He told Joel. He says, you tell them that there's a passage recorded in the law that if they'll stay in that upper room, that I'm going to fulfill a promise because not only are they going to have a written law, but I'm going to put that law in here. Not only are you going to have a law to look at, but there's going to be a law in here that goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden where I had communion with the man that I made and breathed into his nostrils for the communion that would be done. So on the day of Pentecost, God fulfilled another promise that he had made in the fulfillment of this law. He did that. He did that concerning man. So this is what he was saying. So he said this. Now, I want to make another point. And I'm just thinking at the house and this is what God impressed me with. We have Adam. God said he made him of the dust of the ground. We know it as clay. So, this is the way I look at it literally. God took Adam, he made of him of the dust. As Brother Boyd spoke last week, he made all the creatures, he saved man for the last. He made him, in, I just picture him taking him in his arms, and he imparted part of himself. And breathed the breath of life in him. And this is my point. When he breathed the breath of life in him. That body had no choice. But to become a living soul. When he breathed in him. He became a living soul. In other words that body didn't have a choice. Get it. He breathed God imparted part of himself in him. And he became. Now, on the day of Pentecost, God said, I will make all things new. He flipped that. God in his goodness tells us, what are we going to have? First, he tells us the, uh, the, the reaction that he's going to have. You shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. God flipped it. If he hadn't flipped it, it would have said like this. First, you get the Holy Ghost. You can't have the Holy Ghost and not have power. Because what I'm saying, he took Adam, he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. The body had no choice but to become a living soul. Now I'm saying us in the New Testament, you cannot have the Holy Ghost and not have power. Go all the way back. The first Adam did this. The last Adam is this in the New Testament. He said you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you. The enemy, society, our flesh tries to tell us we can't make it. He's a liar. We can make it. God has given us the authority. He's given us the power. He's given us the mental strength we need to walk in this life and to be strengthened by his power. Anytime we feel weakened or just go back, no, God has told us. Just Adam didn't have a choice. Next thing he knows, this body at body that God breathed into was created to live forever and to never die never die never die so when God gave us the Holy Ghost do he, he think that meant God said nobody can pluck you out of my father's hand nobody he imparted himself into Adam to never die and then I look at it and I've got the Holy Ghost and I think you know what y'all pray for me that I can make it today I'm not in any trial. I know there's situations that beat us to the floor. But go to this book. Hide yourself in a closet. And you say, God, I know that I have the strength to overcome anything that comes my way. Because there ain't no breath that's going to impart in me that's going to be defeated. There is no way. There is no way. That... He's not going to give us His Spirit and let us be defeated. It's not going to happen. It will not happen. It will not happen. In verse 12, that rant's over. I'm just telling you, God give it to me and I had to deliver it. It's the truth, though. it is the truth, hallelujah. The Bible says as one man sin entered into the world and death by sin, so death was passed upon all sin, for all have sinned. Now this is not speaking, not speaking of sinful acts, it is speaking of a sinful nature, if somebody says, "Well, I, you know, I, I'm sinning. I, I'm a sinner because I, you know, I'm sinning because I'm justified." Absolutely not. You're sinning because you want to. We inherited a sinful nature. God gave us the Holy Ghost that we could resist this sinful nature. Now I'm telling you, it is not sinful acts. We inherited a sinful nature. We have the ability to sin. But the ability to to sin is up to us, period. Now, he said, for unto the law sin was in the world, but it's not imputed when there is no law. Now, I'm telling you, this is where the modern church says we're at. They say the law does not matter, but I'm telling you, I don't believe that. If you hadn't got it yet, I'm telling you, I do not believe that. I'm telling you, God would not have went through all of this, the crucifixion, Everything he went through To just share everything he did For us I'm telling you when you look at the, Everything was so complex In the Old Testament And then just say God says Okay do what you want to do Live how you want to do Wholeness does not matter Don't fool yourself Do not be caught up In this modern day Philosophy of religion It is a lie and it is wrong I'm telling you, God still demands holiness. He still demands of everything that should be. Nothing has changed. Man has changed it. Man has changed it. I've told you, and in, in, in I think I think Brother and Sister Board was out, and, and I'll tell this in front of them. But why I did this, I don't know. But I, I, was, I was, I'll just prove to you I'm human too. I was ordering some stuff. The guy that they had, naturally, they don't pick some grouch to take orders. It's some guy with this kind, gentle, compassionate voice, you know. And when it's all undone, would you like to contribute to this ministry? Oh, wow. Yeah. I'll, I'll, you know. I mean, I'm way rougher than he was, you know. Sure, I, you know, I'll give five bucks. And so I didn't feel nothing. I'm telling you. When they sent me that material and I looked at that annual contribution to this ministry five bucks that's when God drove I was so convicted if I ever felt like a sinner I felt like a sinner then you're talking about repenting God told me you can't do this you can't do this You have a church. You have a belief. Don't you dare give to somebody else. Don't you dare support somebody else. God hadn't changed. God hadn't changed. And I was so, so wrong. I was so, so wrong. And and I'm telling you, that was a while back, and I still feel the effects of that right now. I just... Man, I, I, I just, I'm, I still, I still feel it now. The Bible says, nevertheless, death reigned. That death reigned, that's a kingly term. Death reigned. In other words, death had the upper hand from Adam to Moses. Death reigned. You had no choice. In other words, do what you want to do. Death is going to win. When they had no law, death reigned. You sinned, everybody sinned. As a result of that, you were going to die. That's what it means. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses. Even those that have not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression, those that had not committed the same act of Adam, it does not matter. They reaped the benefit, not the benefit, but the result of Adam; therefore, they died. Now, after all of this had happened, here is Adam and Eve in the garden, and to show the loving nature of our God, what does He do? He's hunting them, and just as you or I would do if we was in their thing, we was hiding. We would be hiding, just as they was. There was hiding. God's hunting them, and just a heartbeat ago. Everything was so perfect. Everything was so perfect. And God is trying, just trying to get it. And just, it's just too late. I mean, it's just, it's hard to believe it was too late. But it's too late to go back. God is looking for them frantically. They're trying to hide. And God is just saying, where are you? Where are you? Knowing where they're at all the time. And so many times how... It's like me and the five dollars. How you know? Why do we try to fool ourselves? And like me, you know, it's, you know, what have I done? You know, and God is saying out of compassion, where are you? Just wanting us to own up. God, I'm right here, and that's all He's wanting to hear. That's all He's wanting to hear. Mixed with these feelings, feelings of shame. Feelings that they never had experienced before. Feelings that they had never had. You know, I heard something this week that just, man, how the atheist, one nativity, you might have heard it, it was on the news, how the atheist had put this up. And they showed Eve with an apple um, saying it was the... the, uh, Something about a wealth of knowledge. There's nothing like a wealth of knowledge, and it was Eve at some nativity. They were saying that they had the right to put up what they wanted to, and it showed Eve with an apple, and it was something of the phrase of "look, look at the what the wealth of knowledge provided." And I thought, man, look at to what it has brought us. If, but that's just. That's the result of sin. There's no way you can know of the magnitude of of the decisions that we make of what it's going to bring. We would never in our right mind make the decisions that we make if we knew the end result. We would never do it. Never do it. Never do it. Never do it. So God took, he's looking for them. The big story began with God's plan and a perfect relationship with the people he made. It started in this majestic garden. You know why did God do all this? He don't have to tell us nothing. You know God did this. He put this. You know people today is even I think mystified by this. They want this perfect utopia. Let's have this. <clears throat> let's have this place. Let's have this perfect place but I'm telling you we had one shot at it and it's gone the next place is going to be the new Jerusalem it will not be if somebody tells you they have it in the desert as the Bible says (laughs) you stay at home buddy you don't go because it's over it will not happen again I promise you now God created humanity with love and an intent for relationship you know he wanted us to dwell with him the drama that unfolded is heart wrenching it's just the Bible says in 1 John 4 19 we love him because he first loved us and boy does John have a way of putting things because he first loved us and he's seen us as we really are not As we like to present ourselves. How we really are. God seen us. They was in a perfect peace and joy of pure communion with God. They lived with purpose, caring for the garden, enjoying the fellowship with God. And they had this communion with God. They had this place of provision and communication. But the path they chose... Resulted in disobedience and changed everything. God presented a choice for his people. And you wonder why did God do that. But there again he doesn't owe us. He didn't owe us uh, an explanation. But he presented them the option to choose. So he commanded Adam. He said you got dominion over the entire entire garden. He commanded him not to eat of just one tree. He gave him everything else. He just never explained why. He just said, "You got all of this, and don't eat of this one." And if you've ever had children, don't never, don't never do that. I'm serious. Don't never have 500 toys over here and one toy over here. Because it will be the Adam syndrome. This is one toy. You got, you know, a truckload of toys over here, and this one I'd rather you not touch. You know, I guess we inherited that, and I'm I'm not going to say who from. Yet God chose to make a request of His creation, but just like Adam. We have a choice that we have to make. And God, he just told Adam and Eve, he just said, look, I have made this. Everything you need is in this garden. Everything. You do not need to be around this tree. You do not need to partake of this tree. And when you read of this, but... Really, in life, we can see what we value that determines the choices that we make. What we really value determines our choices. We can say we love something, but our actions will truly tell the true picture. In Eve's case, she walked through the garden probably with no intention of disobeying God. And even in her innocence, she may have paused even to question God's command. We don't know. We really don't know. But it may sound like I'm picking, but what in life with God and perfect communion enough? I don't know. I don't know. I can't say. You know, we can't go back and live that. We can only go with what the Bible has to offer. And it says that there's many theories, and I and I think we need to be careful. Because Paul even warned us, you know, don't just run out on every limb that's available. You should stay basically, I think, with what God anoints his prophets, you know, to say and what's in the Bible. But when he, when the enemy, when the enemy literally goes to Eve and talks to her, she don't even name the tree. She just says there's a a tree in the middle of the, you know, a garden. She don't even name it. And when she quotes it, and some have speculated that Adam, you know, in the Bible where she says, you know, not to touch it, that Adam could have possibly said, see that tree over there? Don't you touch it. We don't know. But she tells the serpent, neither shall you eat it, neither shall you touch it. Well, God never said not to touch it. Now, I think, going back to where God said, not one jot or one tittle, if one thing that electronic Bible has taught me, I couldn't tell you. I've read the Bible, not you know, I'm not no whiz and I'm I'm not very good at memory on some things, but I couldn't tell you the time I have spent. I know, I know that verse. I know I knew that verse. Only to find out. For years I've been quoting it wrong. I'm serious. And you know. And just be almost frustrated. You know they got this wrong. I don't know who programmed this. But they got this wrong. I know I got it right. Only to find out that I'm wrong. I have quoted this wrong. And here is Eve when she's quoting the word to the enemy. She's not quoting it correct. So if we have got to be cuz because what God is saying, look, let everything else go. This is gonna stand. My word is gonna stand. And if you can have this word with my spirit implanted in you, then when everything else goes then you got the strength to stand. You will have the knowledge that it's going to take. You will have the knowledge that it's going to take to combat the enemy, the trials that's going to come against you, the tests that's going to come against you. So i tell you really and truly that literally what I have tried to do since I've had, um, it's been made available to me, to the, the electronic part. Anytime I am unfamiliar on a voice, a verse, I go to it and I try to correct that. I try to make sure that I'm, you know, because I hear somebody reading a verse and I think, really? That's what it says? I didn't know that. You know, and and thinking, you know, man, I feel like that's my first service. (laughs) I just think, you know, for, for the longest, you know, I'm thinking, you know, I've been quoting it right and actually quoting it wrong you know it might be just by one word or one little phrase but I'm telling you God's word if I got it wrong I've got it wrong because God told us one or one tittle so I'm going to take him at his word so the serpent come to her he tempts her but out of respect for what pleases God and out of care to preserve our relationship we should build guardrails and protect us from those temptations. And in doing that, we can use God's word to do that. Now, the Bible tells us that the serpent did this, and we know that we got to remain fe- faithful, faithful to him. He holds the key of not letting us be deceived. And one thing I don't want to be, <laughs> that is, deceived. As she began to investigate the fruit, we don't know. Some have speculated, and I sort of lean to this. When she said, neither shall you touch it, I believe she was close enough to it. She may even had her hand on it. And the enemy said, look at that. You've got your hand on it right now. Nothing happened. You're out of your own mouth. You said, neither shall you touch it. And you're touching it right now. We'll never know. We'll never know. All we know is what she said. But, John told us, First John 2 and 16, For all that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but of the world. In the face of these temptations, Eve should have so valued her relationship with God. Instead, she cast in all that sacred treasure of this pride and pleasure, and Adam joined her. With Adam and Eve's choice, sin entered into the world. And with that, death came along with it. Spiritual death resorted from Adam and Eve's choice to turn from God. And that choice separated them from God. Separated them from God. And I believe, I just can't imagine. I don't really know. I would, It really wouldn't matter at this point. But I would really like to know how long... Of a relationship they had with God. Before the fall. For in saying that. This is why. Because after the fall. What do you think it was like. Of knowing. That that separation. That communion. That they had with God. And then all of a sudden. They're separated. From God. It had to be overwhelming. Of knowing the communion that they had with God, and now they're separated from the very one that had breathed into them. Now, he's looking, looking for his children. We know that they hide. He asks a question of them. He gives them the opportunity to confess to him honestly. We know what happens, and then it doesn't turn out too good. Genesis 3, 14 and 15, the Lord God said to the serpent, said unto the serpent, because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle and above every beast of the field and upon thy belly shalt thou go and dust thou shalt eat all the days of thy life and I will put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed and it shall bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise his heel. Now, To the man and woman, he pronounced the consequences of their disobedience, and there was death. An animal they guarded and cared for became their substitute, for it was the bloody hide that covered their shame. And I don't know what that really must have been like to them. The story can never be the same. There is no going back to that garden. There is no going back. Now... There was a man, 30, he spent 32 years, three months, and 14 days, Alexander Liener Willison, Wilson. excuse me. As he stepped into the sunshine for the first moment in all that time, he had, been, had he not been able to step outside of the barbed wire confines of a California prison. It all began in 1984 when he was 21 years old. He was arrested and put in jail on robbery and murder charges. Over the course of the legal proceedings, which has now been deemed unconstitutional, Wilson was convicted of crimes and sentenced to prison. For all of those 32 years in confinement, Wilson's mother, now 96, never gave up. She wrote countless lawyers and legal organizations and appealed for help, hired private investigators in an attempt to revisit the case, and tried to incite all the media attention. Wilson did not get a fair trial And was wrongly imprisoned. But can you imagine to walk out of jail? I can't. To walk out of prison after being confined for over three decades. And to finally feel the sun on your face. And they say that we're not in bondage. (laughs) This is the way the Bible tells us. In Colossians 1, 3 and 14 who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into his kingdom of his dear son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sin. Now, this time of year, speaking of Christmas, people try to, I don't know, maybe get a little nicer. (laughs) Seems like. But all through the year we, we encounter people as Christians, and I believe people with a sincere heart that tell us really and truly, you just don't realize what I've done. Would God truly accept me? And it's to those that I would say in respect, you just don't realize. To the extent that our God went through. To bring this salvation to you. And it's at this time of the year that our world celebrates this Christmas. So with that, I say Merry Christmas to you. God bless you. Let's stand. Come on, aren't you thankful? Aren't you thankful for the Lord? His word, he's still setting men free. He's still forgiving sin. Aren't you thankful?